0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather here and worship you. And God, we pray as we are gathered here to worship you, that you would speak into our hearts, our minds, and our lives that which we need in this day, in these moments. Take my words, Lord, and make them yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing our journey through the Apostles' Creed. We've covered a large portion of it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next week, we will uh, finish up the creed before we uh, begin our Holy Week journey with Palm Sunday. This week, uh, we come to uh, a very simple statement that is uh, important to us that it is full with meaning. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Now, this week, I did remember to actually put what Luther said in the screen, and I even double-checked this morning. And so I want us to uh, look at Luther's words uh, on this phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Next, Next one. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it united with Jesus Christ in one true faith. Understand that the church is a cornerstone of our faith. And when I say the church, I'm not just speaking of St. Mark's Lutheran Church. I am speaking, of course, of all Christian churches, all churches who worship Jesus. I am speaking of all those who follow Jesus. It is the what's next. It is Maybe if you were here on the Wednesday night when uh, Peter joined us, one of Peter's questions was, what do we do now? And of course, after Jesus dies and returns to show himself to the disciples, we have this moment in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit comes. And you see in our reading of Acts 4, you see a part of the picture of the church. You see, when Jesus returns to the Father, the what's next is the church. That we are given the Holy Spirit and we are given the church. You can imagine these 12 disciples giving three years of their life to following Jesus to this movement, to bringing the good news to the people. And then he's gone. What do we do now? The church is the great what's next. It is the in-between. It is the in-between of Jesus going back to being with the Father, having given us the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' return someday. The church is the holy, significant, God-given in between. And so we recognize the church as many things. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. It is the expression of God in the world today. That's not a small list of things if we think about the significance of that but it's also the community of faith, the family of faith. It is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the world. That that I, that you, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the world. It is the continuation of the story. That God is has set up the church for us. This is not just a novel idea that came out of nowhere. So many of us, whether we've grown up in the church or we're used to coming to church or maybe we're not used to coming to church, we might wonder some days, where did this come from? There are some early Sunday mornings that even I ask myself that question. It comes from Acts. It comes from Jesus Instituting this gift for us. Now, I want to point something out before I get too far into this, and you can put up this slide. There's a part of this phrase, I believe, in the Holy Catholic Church, the Communion of Saints, that we get stuck on, and it's that word Catholic. Okay? And some of us get stuck on that because we like words, we like definitions, and we're like, well, we're Lutherans. Why are we talking about the Catholic Church? I've had some of you ask me about this. I remember when I first read the Apostles' Creed, I asked about this. But as you will notice, unless there's a typo, and I'm known for them, uh, when we say Catholic Church in the Apostles' Creed, it has the little c. And then there's the big C Catholic Church. And so here's just a quick little lesson for us as we come across this word because maybe for some of us it's a confusion or a stumbling block. The big C Catholic, the capital C Catholic, is of course the Catholic Church that we know. It is traditionally seen as the Roman Catholic Church, that denomination, that tradition that maybe some of you even grew up in. The little C Catholic Church, which is what is in the Apostles' Creed, that word actually means universal. And even in some versions of the Creed, people have gone so far as to take that little C Catholic word out and put the word universal in there. So when we say, I believe in the holy Catholic Church, we are saying, I believe in the holy universal Church of Jesus Christ. So if you get stuck on that word for whatever reason, understand that that's what this means. Understand that when we say these words, we are talking about the universal church. All those who worship, believe in, and follow Jesus Christ, whether they organize and gather as the church or not. Now you've heard me talk about the whole church. The united church, the universal church. You heard in the scripture readings about unity. But if we're honest, division exists in the church of Jesus Christ. There's all sorts of division in the people who follow Jesus, in the churches that preach Jesus, division over simple things and complicated things, division over baptism and theology and sexuality and worship style and liturgy and room arrangement. We can be divided over all sorts of things as the people of God. And while some of these things, and not all of them quite frankly, while some of these things are important, none of them are as significant as we make them. And in our world, and certainly in the church, and certainly in the the church of Jesus Christ, we need to focus more on what unites us rather than what divides us. That's why we were given the church. That we are all different, that we are all diverse, that we have different views and beliefs on many things. That if I ask four or five Christians Their view on a particular topic, I am almost guaranteed to get at least seven different opinions. And that's okay. Because if we were all the same, that would be bad, trust me. And that's the gift of the church. That people who are different, that see and live and view things differently, can come together and worship the same God. They can come together and love and care for each other in the midst of differences. This is why we're given the Apostles' Creed. It gives us those things that we can agree on, those things that we can come together around. And so I have made the argument, certainly for the past several years in our world and for years and years in the church, that we need to focus on that which unites us rather than what divides us. Imagine if we did that. We have a whole world that's focused on what divides us. Every day. And it seems to me that while the world has always had its difficulties, more so now than ever, there's a focus on what divides us. What if the church of Jesus Christ were to have the grace, were to have perhaps the maturity, the, in, the insight, the integrity, to focus on that which unites us and start from there? You see, in our criticism of others that view things differently than us, that live differently than us, that worship differently than us, that vote differently than us, we forget that there's a lot that unites us. And that's why Jesus gave us the church. In fact, Luther's definition of the church was as basic as it can get. Where the word is preached and the sacrament is practiced rightly. That's it. There was no list of requirements or rules or dress code or schedule preaching of the scripture and the practicing of communion and of course baptism when appropriate as well. That was it. I think Luther might be on to something. And he didn't talk about frequency or style or type or what kind of wine or bread or what translation of the bible those things that we can get focused on from time to time. It's the united church that we are called to work together, work together holding on to things like the creed. Understand that the early Christian church was dramatically different from the church that we know today. You heard me talk about that a little bit in children's time. That then they met in homes and the church was truly a covenant community. Understand what the word covenant means. I talk about this in premarital counseling all the time. You see, a contract is a is a legal deal. It's about what, what each party will do and won't do and what is and is not expected of each. If you've entered any legal contract, like you know, maybe a seventy page mortgage document or anything like that, you know what a contract is. But you see, the church, like marriage, like most relationships, is a covenant relationship. And that's the difference. It's not about what we give and what we receive, what we do and what we don't do. It's about the relationship. But most importantly, what makes a covenant a covenant is that God is in charge and God is involved and God is at the center. And that is a model for us of our relationship with Jesus. That is a model for us, of marriage that is a model for us of the church i think it's a good model for most relationships but back then it was very simple they believed so wholeheartedly in this mission of jesus and what it meant to be the united church caring for each other that they gave literally everything they had to the church they lived basically in in community together So if I were to choose to follow Jesus then and join the church, I would take all of my material possessions and I would give them to the church. Can you imagine if I said something like that today? I probably wouldn't make it halfway through the sermon. Give give them to the church. And then they use that, not for budgets and details, but they use that to take care of each other. That they truly lived together in community. Now, we couldn't do that today. They didn't have to worry about some of the things that we do. And certainly, that was a different time and place about how what you needed and what you did and how you cared for each other. But I don't think we should discount what they were doing because there's stuff in what they were doing. There are things in what they were doing that is a model for us about how we should live, of how we should be the church. It doesn't mean we should take everything we have and bring it to the church and then all move in together. I don't think that's a good idea. I love you all, though, but I don't think that's a good idea. Four in my house is enough. But there was something about how they focused on caring for each other on meeting each other's needs, on being together, on sharing life, sharing meals, sharing every event of life together that is a model for us. It's funny how God works, but it's been one of those weeks where there's a lot happening in our church family. Ups and downs, highs and lows. And it was a strong reminder, after having written the sermon, as I wrote the sermon, as I thought about the sermon, of what it really means to be the church and care for one another. That is our call. That we focus on Christ and we care for one another. That's the example that the church set for us. And it's interesting as I think about that, I'll talk about some examples of that. And it's interesting as we look at this story of the church, the giving of all their possessions, the giving of all their money, that while we wouldn't do that, and while we need to be careful about how we think about money in our lives and money in our faith and money in the church, money... And our time and our energy and our effort really does speak highly of our priorities as individuals and as a church. I know in in conversations and creating church budgets that so often it's about the dollars and the cents. But it also should be about priorities and emphasis and focus. That as I think about how I spend my time, how we schedule our time and what we do as a church, it speaks volumes about our priorities. And so that's something else we can learn about the church now from the church then. But you see, this model of coming together to Jesus and caring for each other is significant. And I'll be honest, I think that we are a very caring congregation. And what's been interesting for me to watch, perhaps more so even over the past six months than, than before, is that it seems like we're doing more and more of that for each other, that we're, that we're even taking more ownership and caring for each other. That some gather and realize that someone is in need, and so they take the time to go and be with them and help them with what they need and provide for them and make sure that they have communion. Then there are others like those who worked so hard with, to, to make the quilts who then gave them to our shut-ins and those in our community who are struggling, even those outside of our community, wrestling with things like cancer, taking the time to pray for, be with, and care for people. I remember when Vicki Marhanke came and said, I have an idea. Maybe we as the council should take time to write cards to people in the congregation who are celebrating, struggling, or who have worked hard for the church in some way. And it's been fun to watch that. It's been fun to listen to some of you share those stories. That this is in the DNA of the church that we want to care for each other that we want to have a vision for our priority our priorities but we're not just called to care for each other to grow old and happy together as nice as that might sound we're also called to serve our community to serve the world And it's exciting to think about that. It's exciting to vision and dream about how we can serve our community. As we think about that more and more, and as we dream about that more and more, I get more and more excited about that. And as you will start to see after Easter in the spring and and in the fall, you will see see a lot of this unfold. After a couple years of talking and dreaming and planning and hoping, we will have opportunities to begin to really serve our community in unique ways. It's interesting what happens, too. It's not just caring for each other and serving our community. It's also inviting others to come to know Jesus, to come to the church. You hear me talk about those Easter cards or the Christmas cards all the time, and maybe some of you roll your eyes or, or you know some of you get excited about it. And it's interesting what God does with that. Friday night I was at a, an event in the community, And I sat down at a table and didn't know some of the people at the table. So you do the normal introductions and you do the, you know, who are you? Why are you here? What do you do? All that fun stuff. And this one person whom I didn't know said to me, oh, yeah, I know that church. So-and-so that I know goes to that church. I don't go to church. I've struggled a little bit Uh, but so-and-so invites me all the time. And they're, they're never pushy, but they always seem to have a card to hand me to invite me. And as conversation unfolded, as we talked about life and got to know one another, we began to talk about the deeper things of life, about grief, about loss, about theology, about the church, about Jesus all because I sat at a table and one of you faithfully just laid out the invitation. That regardless of what happens with that, I, because of the work and the faithfulness of you in simply inviting, got to have a conversation with somebody about Jesus who'd probably not talked about Jesus in a long time. You see... We exist for a reason, for a purpose. As I was thinking about this, I wanted to uh, put a thought up there that I kind of had. I, um, I was wrestling with what it really means to be the church. If you could put that next slide up for me. Now, uh, next one. Yeah, I'd skip that. This is kind of a summary of a little bit of what I just said. We are called to be one as we care for one another and serve the world. We are called to regard the needs of others, those inside and outside the church. And here's the truth about the church. Here's the bare truth about the church. I think what God is doing in our midst and the way the Holy Spirit is working in our midst is just the tip of the iceberg. But I'll say this. I believe that Jesus has called all of us, those who follow him, to be all in on our faith, to not make this just a club or an activity or a schedule item or just something we do or check off, that following Jesus is is not just insurance for the life after, it's meant to change us and transform us, That, that we're to give ourselves fully to that. And I believe that the church in its best moments, the church in its purest, best forms, does the same thing. That we are fully and all in and caring for each other and caring for the world. But the truth is, and I want to say this, that we can just come to church. And we can just come and we can worship, and that is okay. God will take us as we are. But based on my experience, based on my reading of the scripture, based on what I've seen, I'll tell you this that the best life as individuals, as Christians, and as the church is when we're all in, is when we go fully as we can as individuals and as a community of faith, seeking Jesus, caring for one another, and serving the world. I've long recognized as someone who didn't grow up in the church that we are all at different places in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with the church. And regardless of where we are, what we think, what we believe, God loves us and welcomes us always. But for me, what I'm most interested in, what I'm most excited about is where life is found. I want to maximize these living years on earth that God has given me. And I've come to learn that that only happens when I give myself fully to God. Fully to what God has called me to. Fully as an individual, as a pastor, and as a part of this family, to being the church. So it's interesting when we think about this. I believe and the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. That so often this image that we have of the church, though not wrong, isn't all of what God could have for us, all of what God has in store for us. And so as we gather here and worship this God, may we focus on that which unites us rather than divide us. And may we be a people focused on Jesus caring for one another, and serving the world with everything we've got. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the creed, for reminding us that that which unites us is more important than that which divides us. Help us to be your people, to be the church. God, give us your wisdom, your grace, your boldness, as we seek to worship you to care for one another, to serve the world, and to be the church you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.